welcome back to Action Action on the BFOP Network. Uh, my name is John, and this is the podcast that watches all the action movies and puts them on our list of the greatest action movies of all time. Uh, this week we have a huge episode, a double feature of Martial Law and Martial Law 2 Undercover, uh, both starring Cynthia Rothrock. Um, so pretty pretty great stuff. I can't wait to get into that. But before we do it, uh, let's introduce the, our, my co-hosts. Uh, Dustin, how are you? Hey, not too bad. What's going on? <laughs> well, not too much. Feeling a little under the weather, but, uh, you know, can't stay away from the martial law. So here we go. Yeah. Ready to rock. Oh, uh, yeah. James, what's... Rothrock. Rothrock. Let's introduce the other co-host, James. What's going on with you, man? Yep. James here. I'm doing great. I'm fantastic. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks, John. Thanks, Justin. Let's go. Let's be honest, James. This is your... I love, love this energy. This is your baby. This is getting... This, well, is, this, is, helping. this is helping me get pumped, you know? Get amped? Let's yeah. go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's skip. Let's just let's, let's get right to Seek or Destroy. Anything you guys want to Seek or Destroy this week, or should we just get straight to the movie? Oh, James, you got anything? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I have watched a lot of stuff this past week. Yeah, I see you've been we a little recorded, busy, uh, busy on the Instagram there. Yeah, we recorded a little early last week. And we're recording regular time this week, so that gives like over a week of material. So let's start with some uh, some seek. I'm gonna go with Dead Heat. Watch Dead Heat. Nice. Um, never seen it before. I think I've seen a clip of it somewhere. But anyways, it is a fun, goofy movie. Like yeah, buddy cop movie about zombies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's like wacky. It it they knew what kind of movie they were making. Yeah, that's a fun one for sure. Even it has a little bit of Big Trouble in Little China vibes. I thought at times. Yeah, totally. So I watched that. I also watched shit. I forget the name of the documentary. It was on. It's on Netflix. It's about uh, kung fu. Oh, know, is, Dustin, is it is this? it Iron Fists and Kung Fu Kicks? That one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that that's, one. that's a good one, I thought. Yeah, I watched that. That movie sent me down like a rabbit hole on YouTube <laughs> of all sorts of kung fu movies. So I tried to find them to watch them as well, and I can't find them anywhere. So, yeah, so I watched that. I also, uh, today, actually, I had the day off. I was also watching um, Jackie Chan put out a movie... Uh, forget what it's called it's like jackie chan like how to how to make a action movie or how to make a i don't know he he does like demonstrations of how to like film a kung fu movie and it is some of the most interesting stuff i've ever seen and he gives examples of like how he shoots things with like a wide frame and he doesn't move the camera where in hollywood they constantly cut and move the camera and right, yeah. there's there's no actual like follow through with the punches and whatnot. So really interesting. And that um, was on YouTube you watched that? That was on YouTube. The whole thing is on YouTube. <laughs> so those are things I uh, suggest you seek out. Um, the things that you should destroy. Although, you know, I don't know. So top, I watched Top Dog. with Chuck Norris and I have to say okay I thought this thing was going to be the biggest piece of shit and and don't get me wrong it is it is a piece of shit okay but it has some of the most action I think I've seen in in a movie wow in in any movie 
ever. Well, not not in any movie. It's but the Mad Max of dog of canine <laughs> canine partner movies. Oh well, yeah, of canine partner movies for sure. Uh, what is that? Human dog buddy cop movies? Yes. Um, explosions like we got gunfights we got you know hand-to-hand combat like we got it all so it sounds like it has more action than like your average chuck norris movie (laughs) oh yeah what was that movie that we did octagon no not the octagon what was the other one delta force delta force way more action in top dog delta force has all the action at the very end yeah pretty much yeah Yeah, this has it all the way through so uh so so top Top dog Dog better than delta force uh, yeah, hands down, better than Delta Force. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. Okay, so seek or destroy. Uh, I think we're gonna end up doing it in our dog theme <laughs> month eventually. When we do one. When we do a dog theme <laughs> month. August? Can't wait! Can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely a destroy would be Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> the Roddy uh, Piper Classic. Have you seen this, Dustin? Yeah, of course I've seen it. I don't know what the hell. Like, it's so you're, fucking You're watching weird. a lot of movies this week that I wanted to do on the show at some point. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's so, it's like a post-apocalyptic, I guess, nu- nuclear explosions. So it created these frog people. <laughs> Very bizarre. Not much action. A lot of weird, like, he's the la- he's one of the last fertile men and he has to impregnate these fertile women or something like yeah the fantasy living the dream it's it's interesting let's let's just leave it at that uh and then i also watched uh equalizer uh 2000 equalizer 2000 now that one i don't know so tell me about that one it's like a mad max ripoff basically right that's like a whole genre unto itself yeah yeah it's like of that time yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird, like nonstop gunfights. Uh, John would love it because it all centers around this like gun, <laughs> and like how big and awesome this gun is. So uh, I think we're gonna have to do it. I just couldn't help myself with these movies. I was watching them all on Tubi. Yeah, Tubi's a great and, source for shit and like that. And, and it just keeps recommending these movies. I'm like, fuck, let's do it. Let's go. I'm ready to go. So. Uh, that sounds fun to me. It sounds like you had a fun movie week. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Dustin, what are you? Uh, well, I watched the first three episodes of the new Amazon Prime uh, animated show, Invincible, based on the Robert Kirkman comic book. Did you watch those yet, John? Uh, I have watched... I don't think I finished the second episode. I'm halfway okay. through. Um, what did you think? I'm really liking it so far. I can't believe the voice cast they got on there. Like just the voice cast per, is amazing. Yeah, person after person of note: Stephen Ewan, Gillian Jacobs, Jason Manzukis. I mean, Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats. Yeah, I mean, it goes on and on. Like it's just well, uh, and what's his name? The um, Seth Rogen's on there. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Uh, Sandra O, oh, Walton Goggins is fucking on there. So uh, yeah, you're Walton seeing Goggins. I think you're seeing something kind of interesting that's happening in uh, cartoons lately, where really famous people—not just voice actors, but like just famous people with great voices or like that are just funny—are starting to just do a lot more. You've got the the new Patton Oswalt Marvel show, uh, Mo- Modoc. Oh, is that uh, is that something that's out? I haven't watched that. It hasn't come out yet, but there's a trailer for it. So oh, okay. he's 
he he's on it like john ham is on it a bunch of other people you're seeing starting to see this a lot happen a lot more um so it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of of two minds about it. Like, it's really fun when you know some of the voices and they're and when they're at the same time appropriate for the characters they're voicing on the on the shows. I do feel a little bit bad for all these voice actors who suddenly it's that much harder to get work because yeah, now all these people who are famous for other roles are doing voice stuff too. But um, but I can't really complain like because the voices that they have on this show are phenomenal. I love the uh, the art style is great too. Yeah, it's art style is good. I mean, it represents the comic fairly well. It's also kind of a bit of a throwback cartoon style. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. It's not really modern. Yeah, uh, and then you know, uh, I thought the first episode ended like amazingly because you know they played it pretty clean up until that point, and then it was like, oh, okay, this is you know I already knew what's going to happen because I've read the comic book, but it, the way they put it together as an episode. To have that surprise at the end, I think for people who who haven't read it are going to be like, "Holy shit!" Like <laughs> this is yeah, where we're going. I would agree. I think that they played the the first episode really well. How they didn't even really introduce the title card until like three quarters of the way through the movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When they first say his name, I thought that was really cool. And then how they have this whole like almost epilogue. Like you think the episode's over. And yeah. then you get the huge reveal. So I've read not the entire thing. I've read a b- bit of it, but I'm I'm far away enough that I remember that this happens, yeah. but not necessarily why or what happens like that like next. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's important I think too to uh, keep watch- like when the credits start on this show, the episode isn't over. Like there's going to be more stuff still. So uh, watch through. And James. It's got the gore horror uh, stamp of approval. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so I'll have to check it out then. So yeah. what's it called? Invinci- <laughs> Invincible cartoon on Invincible. Amazon Prime. Uh, perfect. Yeah, you'll, you're not going to think anything of it, and then the ending is going to... Yeah, that's when it's like really starts going. <laughs> James is going to Tom Cruise on Oprah's couch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be so happy. Yeah, uh, I, li- I liked it. It's great. Great show. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I watched Thelma and Louise for the first time in my life, if you can believe it. Had oh, never, had never I seen, seen it. it. Uh, have you? Have either of you seen it? No. No. So here it is, 30 years later, finally watched Thelma and Louise. I've seen uh, the Simpsons episode. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of the same beats. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good movie. It's not like, I don't think it's uh, blew me away. And maybe part of that is because like, even from like what you're saying, even things like The Simpsons, you've seen that. So you feel like you've kind of seen the movie and there's just been enough. It's been around long enough that you have a sense of what the movie is. But it's really fun just to watch Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon in it. Like it's it's 100% their movie. There was uh, Harvey Keitel is like the cop that's chasing them. Uh, he's pretty good, but there's not quite enough of him. Him and Stephen Tobolowsky are like the, the cops that are trying to track them down. Uh, and of course, Brad Pitt has his uh, small role in there. That is one of the first things that people saw him uh, do. Um, and, and, you know, the charm is already there. <laughs> so uh, it, I enjoyed it. It's I, I don't think like it's necessarily something you have to go out and see if, if you've already like feel kind of like you know what the movie is but it's well-made movie ridley scott so yeah that's it for me yeah is that, i think the episode of simpsons is marge on the lamb i'm just looking it up because it has one of my favorite something that always stuck with me from the simpsons we all have our certain things but it's the episode where 
uh, their Chief Wiggum and Homer are chasing them, and then Chief Wiggum puts in his chase music. Looks like we got ourselves an old-fashioned car chase. Sunshine lollipops and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Oh yeah, and it's, and it's sunshine lollipops. Yeah, yeah. So I have a seek and destroy. That's the same thing. So I've been watching the leftovers, and right. I went to we, we my wife and I, Diane and I, we we watched season uh, two, episode eight. Which is, uh, if you've ever seen the episode, um, it's kind of a mindfuck episode. That Well, they all kind of are, but something really drastic happens the episode before. You don't really know. It's a really surreal episode. It takes place in a hotel, Dustin. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Is that what the bathtub scene thing? He wakes up in a bathtub. Yeah. Okay. And it involves an assassin and yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's this really surreal episode. And then we're like, okay, we got to go to bed. Tomorrow we'll watch more, right? Finish off the second season and start watching the third and final season. So the next day we start watching and we're watching it and it's like this really crazy episode. And it's like, it's episode, all I see is like, it's episode nine. It keeps playing. And it's, but it's like, so it's like on the future and like all this crazy stuff is happening and it's like, what's going on? And I really don't want to give anything away, but it's just, it seems out of place, but the last episode was pretty surreal. So you think that this is just kind of like a continuation of that. And it's really beautiful. It's a real beautiful episode. And it's it's just kind of amazing. And we're almost done. And I'm like, can you, my wife has the control. And I'm like, can you pause it? Can you go back? And we were watching episode nine of season three, which is the season finale. Mm-hmm. Oh, brutal. So oh. I skipped all of, I skipped the season finale of ep- season two. And I skipped all of season three. And just watch the finale. <laughs> Jesus. But because the episode before was so whacked out, I was like, okay, I'm here for this. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> so, so you watched the end of the show. I watched the last episode of the show. Wow. With te- There's 10 minutes left that I didn't finish. <laughs> maybe maybe five. I don't know. Oh, man. That's, that's, I, I, that has never happened to me before. That's, uh, I don't even know what to say. Though. That sucks. So... <laughs> Everybody should watch The Leftovers and destroy myself for not paying closer attention. I'm sure people are like, how could you possibly do that? (laughs) It's like, this doesn't have anything to do with what we were just watching. (laughs) But the episode before, yeah, whatever. Because it was so weird. I mean, it is a weird show, right? So it kind of goes into some strange places. so. So, yeah, great show. Are you sure you weren't high when this happened? I was not. I've, I haven't had anything to like drink or I've nothing. I've, I was stone sober. So this makes me think of the time when I was really stoned and, uh, I put on a season of Aqua Teen Hunger Force on DVD and in the beginning it said play all. And you know, you click that usually and then it plays all the episodes in a row. Yeah. Well, Aqua Teen Hunger Force thought it would be funny if they played all of the episodes simultaneously with audio and everything on the screen at the same time. (laughs) And I was so high that I watched it for like 10 minutes before I realized what was happening. I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) Uh (laughs) No, I, I, yeah, no, I've completely, I haven't had anything to like no alcohol or marijuana like all week. Uh, trying to not drink for April 
So we'll see how that goes. But I took an edible, none and then that, none of that yayo either. No, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I hung up my skis. Um, I, I took an edible and watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. What Have is you guys that? seen? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a new movie uh, starring Kristen Wiig and uh, I don't know her name Annie Momolo. It starts out as kind of a traditional Kristen Wiig movie, and then it just gets more bizarre and weird and surrealist and stuff. And I'm like super stoned, and I'm like, is this just me that this is happening to? <laughs> or it's like, and I keep looking at Diana, and she's just like looking at the TV, and I'm just like, I'm so fucked up. And I'm just like, what is happening? Is this, are they're singing, right? Like all of a sudden they break into a song, like like it's a musical for like a scene. And yeah, it's a weird movie. But you know, it's not a weird movie. Actually, this is kind of a weird movie. (laughs) You know, it also has a leading lady, martial law, roll the trailer. Los Angeles is a city under siege. Experts Chad McQueen and Cynthia Rothrock. I also want you to have a partner on this. Somebody you can count on. Someone like Blake. Lead a new elite police force. <laughs> Fighting crime their own way. <laughs> nice job, Thompson. Another one for martial law. Now they face their biggest challenge. My clients will be pleased. I trust our friendship. But this is business. All I know is he worked for some dude that's in Hong Kong, man. Any idea what this tattoo means? Hong Lin. Like assassins in Hong Kong. Until family gets in the way of business. He's my little brother. Just look at it like a loan. What are brothers for? It's all right. I take care of my friends. What the hell is wrong with you, Michael? Now the cop? His brother. And murder strikes too close to home. It's Michael, isn't it? I'm sorry. He's dead. This time, it's personal. This is it. They recruited Michael through the school. You wish to be an instructor here. Be at the school tonight. He's believed to have killed over 50 men. And this time... I'm gonna handle this my way. Martial law is the only law that counts. All right, so Martial Law is a 1990, uh, you know, action crime film starring Chad McQueen and more importantly, a Cynthia Rothrock, uh, who should be the lead. Oh, and next there's a little Absolutely. David, little David Carradine, uh, yeah. sprink, sprinkled in there, for your pleasure. So two cops who are martial arts experts team up to stop a criminal organization headed by a ruthless boss who's also a martial artist, James. That's pretty vague, but that's right. I guess it's correct. I, I mean, it is correct, but <laughs> so, I guess that's all you need, right? Yeah. So we're going to talk about the the Martial Law One and Two, both starring uh, Cynthia Rothrock, who I think that we're all going to gush over how amazing she is. Uh, and oh yeah. How she elevates this. She's she's like in the shadow though of who's supposed to be the main character. I mean, in this. In the first one, say, it's, uh, more so, I'd say. Chad McQueen. Yeah. yeah, but so we'll talk about the first one and we'll get to the second one later on. But James, why did you pick these films? Uh, actually, I picked these films because I bought the Vinegar Syndrome box set of the Martial Law 1 and 2. Honestly, the best thing about Vinegar Syndrome is like, I don't know any of the movies on there. For the most part, not, I have no idea. stuff you grew up with and whatever. Yeah, and I solely picked the movies based on their cover art. 
<laughs> which they which can, reminds me of like back in the video store. Yeah, I mean they they often get um commissioned new artwork for these movies, these older movies that they put out and, the, yeah. and they get great so, great covers on these things. Great covers. And honestly, I would never know any like I don't I didn't know anything about martial law. One, two, three, four, whatever <laughs> many they made. Apparently three. Until until you know I ordered this Blu-ray special, and that's why we're doing it. I mean, we're going to be doing a giveaway, so yeah, got to cover it. Well, that's awesome. Let's like get into the movie. Pretty much, it's a pretty vague premise. You've got this this guy. Well, it starts off with the bank robbery. Let's start with the bank robbery, and this <laughs> is my favorite scene I think in the entire film. <laughs> in the first movie. Yeah, this is my favorite scene in the entire film. It yeah, is so movie. fucking crazy that this is how the movie starts. And the fact that I think that if they had kept going with this style of like ridiculously over the top, it's really funny. Yeah, but, there's some funny shit in there. But it's just it's it's most such a ridiculous uh, ridiculous scene. You've got these three fucking losers led by this uh, heavier set guy. <laughs> Ponytail are, man. Yeah, they're robbing a bank, and then the cops are all lined up outside. And you're like, oh, what is going to happen? So they send in the pizza man, yeah, and then the, the pizza man takes they demanded care of business. Pizza. They demanded pizza. Well, I mean, as soon as I saw the pizza guy, it's like, yeah, send the pizza boy in. I'm like, that that's not a boy. It's like a 40-something-year-old man. <laughs> that's a fucking man. man. <laughs> he, looked like, he looked like Papa John. Oh, totally. Uh, I mean, this is Chad McQueen. This is the son of fucking Steve McQueen. If you can believe that. Well, he's, yeah. he's got that swagger. There's a, I mean, that scene was funny and some of it was purposely funny and some of it was accidentally funny to me. Like there is a shot where the ponytail leader of the, of the thugs is walking uh, and he just like stares down the barrel of the camera <laughs> for a second. Um, and then even, even later um, when Chad McQueen is teaching one of his, you know, his karate classes or whatever at the, at the dojo. Um, there's like, you know, pans across and shows all the students standing there. And again, like one or two of them, like look right down the, right down the lens. <laughs> so just, you know, it's just funny. Just kind of, I mean, this is, this is straight to video stuff from back in the day, right? Like John, did you, I guess you probably didn't watch these movies either. No, it's the, mm. this scene also has my favorite quote in the entire movie. You got this police chief who's, uh, who takes the phone call from the this buffoon in the in the bank who's convinced he's going to get away with it well they all do they're, they're all convinced they, there's such confidence they have and uh he goes uh, the this guy he hangs up the phone or whatever and this other cop's like uh what do they want chief and he's like they want two pizzas two large pizzas <laughs> and then uh That's this their demands this like female police officer like with her hand she's holding a gun taking cover behind a, a police car and she's like, what are we going to do, chief? And then he's like, or is this your first day? We're going to give them what they want. And then she says, yeah, it is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some funny stuff in there. And then like uh, jumping ahead real quick and we'll come right back to this. There's like a scene right after this where there's two cops sitting in a car and the one is telling the other about how his wife asked him to bring home birth control pills. And the guy's like, yeah, so? And he's like, well, I got a vasectomy like 12 years ago. Well, yeah, yeah. his wife asked him to go pick up the prescription from the pharmacy. And he's like, so I go and pick it up. And then I look in the bag and it's birth control. And he's like, yeah, what's the big deal? He's like, I got a vasectomy years ago. And then it's like, and then it's like cuts you like I'm chasing a car or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah, the movie starts out and it has kind of that funny tone to it, but then you kind of lose it after that. 
but yeah, going back to the pizza, the delivery, of course, he's our sort of titular martial law cop in the movie. Uh, and he kicks their ass with some, some karate and throws them through the windows and shit. Kicks them through windows. So is this of a time where just like everyone knows martial arts? <laughs> yes. In these movies, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so this is like of the era, the straight to video. It's just, there is no explanation needed. It's just, hey, standard issue cop knows martial arts. Well, I don't know if it's supposed to be like that quite. I mean, like in this movie, they bust his balls and stuff for being the karate guy. And they call him martial law. Like that's his nickname or whatever, because he's the one cop who does martial arts. Although obviously Cynthia Rothrock also does. I didn't get that they were making fun of him. Yeah, I think they were trying to give him a hard time. Oh, I didn't get that at all. I thought that they were like, no, he actually is. Like, he's fucking he's martial a, law. He is yeah. like a force upon himself. He is martial law. Like they yeah, no, call in was, martial law when they I mean, need I t- to. Maybe you're right, but I took it as like cops, you know, kind of ribbing him sort of stuff. Well, but because the the chief like knows exactly what's going to happen. And, and when martial law takes those guys down and in, in the bank, he's like, yeah, goddamn right. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, he's like another one for martial law. Yeah. Like in like a in a Wow. I look up to you like you're a great kid. Like way to go. They're going to high five or something. <laughs> well, the chief appreciates his efforts, no doubt. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, how is he going to get out of that if martial law wasn't there? Martial law's out there making the chief look fucking great every day. Yeah. I mean, and then we we start to get into the the brother storyline stuff not too long after that opening sequence. The little we find out martial law's little brother. I keep calling him martial law, but the character is... Um, Sean Thompson. We find out his little brother is sort of a small-time criminal type. Gets Michael gets in some trouble with the law yeah. for boosting a car, yeah. uh, which he he claims that he was just hitchhiking a ride with whoever stole the car. Which is like, give me a fucking break! You're hitchhiking. <laughs> I mean, and Sean Tom- Sean he just falls right for this brotherly bullshit, doesn't oh, he? Oh yeah. Totally. He's just feeding him a line, and he's like, okay, bro, I love you, bro. <laughs> I promised mom I'd take care of you. I mean, we get a lot of that kind of like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, you're fucking up your life. Like, all that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes me think of, like, a movie, a storyline that you'd see in a Hong Kong movie, though. Two brothers on the wrong, you know, each on the other side of the law kind of thing. Well, that's how the trailer actually is for this movie. Oh, yeah. It's like one bus people or something or one, you know, arrest people for the law and the other one breaks the law. <laughs> Right. Yeah. This so. his brother would have joined the foot so fast. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, this would have been a great character in Ninja Turtles. Oh, and then after his brother gets him out, he goes and he meets with David Carradine, who's like the big bad boss. And then like the other guy that was in the car tries to blame him and say like, oh, he was driving. He's the one. He's the reason we got caught. And then David Carradine kills that dude and is like, I know he's fucking lying to me. Like, no. I knew who was yeah. driving. Yeah, just cold blooded. Yeah, he uses the dimak, the which we you know we last heard uh, them talk about in fucking Bloodsport, the move that yeah. can stop a heart. Yeah, he uses it quite a bit. Dalton is his name, right? Dalton. His name's Dalton Rhodes. Another Dalton. Holy shit! A lot of Dal- badass Daltons. Dalton. He has the same kind of um, gimmick as like Gone in sixty seconds, right? He's he's 
stealing cars to send them overseas. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a thing that doesn't make any sense here where he uh, he steals these cars. He's got, he's ripping the covers off of them. Right. Showing them all the, the to the buyer, the Japanese buyer. Then there's the final. They show the final car. Right. Oh, no. They show them all. And they're like, where's the one car? And then he's like, oh, we had a little trouble getting it. But yeah. you give me double. If my guy beats your guy, or I'll give it to you for free if your guy be- beats my guy, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to have like a little fight thing about add on to their deal. So, Which Dalton ends up fighting this guy, which this guy is in a lot of movies. Yeah. Uh, Professor uh, Toru Tanaka. That guy's awesome. He's in so many things. He was, he he awesome. was Sub-Zero in Running Man that we did not that long ago. He's also in Dead Heat that I just watched. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he's, so, in, he's in a lot of great stuff. The weird thing about this, though, is, is that he takes all the money in that scene. Dalton takes all the money, and all that money is presumably for all the vehicles, including the one that's missing, right? Right. But then, oh, because he pays him double. I'm stupid. <laughs> oh, you're trying to do some math here on these, yeah, these criminal dealings? <laughs> I was like, why does he have more money? And then I'm like, oh, it's because he lost. I'm an idiot. No, I'm, I was a little sad that Tanaka didn't last longer than that in the movie. Because oh, yeah. I always enjoy seeing him. Um, but he also suffers from the, the dim mock after a fight with... Uh, it looks like he's going to beat Rhodes, right? But then he comes back and kills him. Um, and, you know, it's funny because doesn't he... In Kill Bill, doesn't David Carradine and Thurman, don't they talk about a similar technique and then she uses it on him? I mean, it's a thing where it, like, freezes him and then she... It, like It's like a timer in Kill Bill where you hit all these certain nerve points or whatever and then... You're dead, but you don't after, know it After yet. a minute, your heart's going to explode or whatever. Yeah, so I just thought that was funny that that it was kind of a similar thing with David Carradine here. Yeah, so the guy is so they're stealing cars, martial laws, taking people down. Now he's got a partner, though, and they make a joke. They make fun of him. They're like, you got a partner now, martial law. And it's Billy Blake. Yeah. So Cynthia Rothrock and him, we we find out first that they're lovers, right? Like they have a sex scene or whatever. And then she's she's heading to work to cover a shift. And like we see her badge then we're like, okay, so she's another cop. But then he was. Yeah, he, she's she's going undercover as a prostitute or something, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah they say yeah. she has to work double. She's like, I have to work double shifts because I can't afford to not. If we just live together, then everything would be fine. Oh, okay. So she's out there on on. He's putting her out on the streets because he won't live with her. <laughs> what a fucking. <laughs> What a guy. What a fucking guy. Well, okay, so throughout the whole movie, though, like, she is... It's almost, like, worse, because she's, she's the secondary... Yeah, but she's just, like, in the background, and she'll say... She saves the day when she needs to, and as soon as she's done, it's like, okay, now... Now, now recede into the background. Now go back yeah. to the background, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 she definitely gets short shrift in this movie. I mean, I mean, she granted, she had second billing... Uh, to Chad McQueen, but it was that was a mistake, I think, because oh yeah, obviously she's the one with the actual martial arts abilities. When you watch the fight scenes, she's the one who actually knows what the fuck she's doing, and Chad McQueen he, he clearly doesn't, right? Like his fights are not terribly compelling. <laughs> no, and she even talks on the special features on the Blu-ray because she came from like Hong Kong films. Yeah, yeah. Where she had to do like crazy shit. Like she had to do all her own stunt work. The stunt guys over there, obviously we all know, you know, they get away with stuff that you're not allowed to get away with in Hollywood, like safety wise. Mm -hmm. Right. Like when they fall, they fall. And they're like, (laughs) 
just fall twelve Down stories. For the count. Uh, land on yeah. the back of your neck. If, okay, we'll just we'll, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get it in one. So she's used to, um, you know, when she fights with uh, stunt guys, she's used to hitting them, right? Like actually hitting them. So she had to pull all of her punches when filming this. Yeah. And I mean, even what you were talking about with the editing styles, right? Like, it, yeah, this is the American approach to the shooting the fight scenes. Um, yeah. So it's definitely a different feeling. And, and, and you know, I, I would love to go back at some point later and do like her movie, uh, her Hong Kong movie, Yes, Madam, with Michelle Yeoh and her together. I think, yeah. I think that looks. I've watched some footage from that, and it just looks. It looks awesome. so <laughs> awesome. I I tried to. F- find it i can't find it anywhere what's it called to watch it yes madam i watched a bunch of clips on youtube um you know as i was going down a rabbit hole of videos and kung fu uh, clips that that one came up and i it must be like the end fight scene where they're in i don't know some kind of mall or something just in watching that scene alone the the fighting that she does Mm-hmm. is like amazing watching martial law <laughs> it's just like she's pulled back so much yeah it's you feel like it's really restraining her right like which and what she can do um yeah. and i mean the, the, that was just the approach at the time like you know i i remember i think i rented this first martial law when i was a kid and i saw a couple other of her movies i think the china o'brien movies and yeah at the time like i hadn't been exposed to a lot of Hong Kong cinema and Kung Fu stuff, right? Like legit stuff. So at yeah. the time, this was the action that we thought was awesome. Like you'd rent, oh, yeah. you'd rent this and be like, yeah, they fucking kicked and punched each other. That was great. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. I mean, I kind of feel like the one among many awesome things about doing like this podcast is it's like opened my eyes to so much more in the realm of action that I feel like I'm just like in my infancy right? of, <laughs> of what there is out there. And I just like, I get so excited watching, you know, these YouTube clips and like, yeah, I want to watch that. And I want to watch that and, you know, talk about these things. So, I mean, this is my first martial law. One is my first, uh, exposure to Cynthia Rothrock. So yeah, like she was a, she was a video store staple for sure. Uh, and, you know, we talked when we did Dark Angel, we talked about the, the sort of the video store market for these kind of movies where uh, you didn't necessarily have to have the biggest budget and you didn't even necessarily have to open up in theaters. You could you could make a killing just making movies for the shelves that people were going to rent because people want to see people get their asses kicked or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think she's referred to as the queen of B movies. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure in action, she in I mean, action, at, at the time, like know. especially in the American the American market, there wasn't a lot of women that were getting to kick ass in these kind of movies, right? Yeah. So even though she does take a bit of a back seat in this one, I guess you know you kind of got to start somewhere. This is her first like American movie because she was working for Golden Harvest in Hong Kong, yeah. and then they did they released a couple of movies in America with her to try to sort of see if they could get a toehold in the American market. Yeah, it's 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 fun to see those kind of formative things, even if you know maybe martial law doesn't have the greatest action compared to stuff that we watch now. Yeah, but watching this and the second one, it it just makes me want to seek out yeah those Hong Kong movies of hers for right? sure, where you can actually see her in her full potential. 
Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we'll have to go back and do some of our earlier stuff too at some point. Um, and where are we in the plot? Like, I, that's, I'm so lost of where we are and how to put oh, pellet forward. Well, we're pretty early in the plot, so yeah. we're yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he first has to convince the chief to let to let Cynthia Rothrock uh, Billy to be his partner. And I mean, it doesn't take a lot of convincing, but it's like he's just opposed to it for some reason. <laughs> it's like yeah. I want Billy to be my backup, and he's, the chief's like, "What? Uh, oh, fine, whatever." <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah why he's opposed to it he's like she's vice yeah i don't know but i think this is around the same time you're introduced to the um the other criminal uh what's his name is it faster brown yeah yeah we're introduced to faster brown who's who's trying to get back into the gang but yeah so he used to be part of he used to be part of the dojo there that they have set up where they kind of recruit people to be to work for their criminal organization yeah. yeah, I mean, this and, is a lot like Ninja Turtles, isn't it? Yeah, because it's a total, total Ninja Turtles movie. And, like, the little brother took over pretty much his position in the gang. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Carradine Rhodes, Dalton Rhodes, he just straight up doesn't like him, Faster Brown. He just does not like him. And yet, here's the the the, the weird thing about this movie. is It's typical for the time, but Dalton Rhodes hates Faster Brown. Faster Brown has been kicked out of this gang multiple mm-hmm. times but wants to get back in so badly <laughs> for no real reason and every time he goes to dalton Rhodes, dalton Rhodes gives him another chance well he's like i have information man i got information you need like but he's wrong every well, he's not wrong well, he's not wrong no but it appears that he's wrong every time right i just want to say the actor who plays faster brown uh, vincent craig dupree most notable for having one of the most memorable deaths in the entire friday the 13th series uh jason takes manhattan he's a he plays a boxer in that movie and he's <laughs> punching jason over and over again in the face <laughs> and then jason just punches his head off and it lands in a dumpster <laughs> oh wow that sounds fantastic <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he does a good job. I thought like, he's like the kind of Weasley, um, uh, you know, he's annoying. Character. I think, yeah, I think he, okay. At first I'm like, man, this guy's annoying. But then I was like, no, this guy is like brilliant. This guy <laughs> is like Wesley Snipes must've watched this movie to get his inspiration for his character in what is it? Demolition man. <laughs> You think so? Like, oh man! Oh yeah! Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, wow. I mean, James really likes him. I mean, I did think he was one of the highlights of the of the first movie for sure. Oh yeah, for sure he was. I'd say he's a highlight. I think that's he's a he's an interesting character too. Like David Carradine's in the movie, but he's really kind of boring. Yeah, he's very subdued for the most part. Um, his right hand man, Philip Tan, I thought was a lot of fun too. The the, oh, Philip Tan the, is the fucking man. Yeah, Philip Tan was great. <laughs> he calls him governor all the time and stuff. And he's got... Yeah, you know, with he's, the he's British, British accent. Yeah, British, so... Well, he dresses also... He dresses like um, like a British officer type thing. He, he looks like he belongs in uh, like Ip Man, the way right, he dresses. Yeah, yeah. So that guy, so Philip Tan, that guy, so he... I think he was um, stunt coordinator or something like that on martial law but he uh he's gone on to 
to do stunts for like Inception, Pirates of the Caribbean, Transformer movie. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, he shows up in a lot of stuff. I mean, he's in Tango and Cash. He's in Bat- yeah. Batman, Lethal Weapon Four. Like, so he's yeah, he's been around. Yeah. He has ten yeah. movies as stunt coordinator in either production or filming or whatever right now. There you yeah. go. Like currently, he's got two movies that he's acting in right now, inclu- including My Grandpa the Assassin. <laughs> Sold. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So put that on our list. Is that going to be, oh man, is it Jackie Chan as a grandpa? That'd be great. Uh, no, I don't know who it is. It's, uh, no, but I was talking to someone today and they were saying, uh, it's like Police Story 6. Uh, Jackie Chan has like just done or something is like a gritty. Oh really? It's 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 like a gritty movie. It's kind of like Foreigner, but like grittier. Okay, I never did get around to seeing Foreigner, but uh, it's kind of it's a it's it's alright. Yeah, it's entertaining. Anyways, so yeah, there's like this back and forth, I guess, between uh, Michael getting in trouble and then uh, McQueen uh, bailing him out, and then McQueen ends up they end up chasing him down, uh, him and Billy, and they. They, they split off because they get a tip that somebody's, well, Faster Brown tips them off that somebody's going to steal a car. And they they split off and they chase down the two criminals and he ends up seeing his little brother there. And oh, yeah, like, and then he lets him go. And again. he lets him go. Again, he lets him go. And then he's like, tells Cynthia Rothrock, oh, he got away. <laughs> and then later <laughs> on, meanwhile, he admits, she's she's doing her part. She's kicking the shit out of this guy. <laughs> yeah, which that was a good fight scene where she was fighting the uh one of the car thieves yeah there i mean there's there's good st- moments and stuff in the action for sure i mean again like placing it in context of what it was and when it came out you get to see at least some of her abilities yeah but then there's um yeah i don't know i guess it goes to the end somewhere that <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to remember between this one and the second yeah, one. Yeah, they both they both kind of get mixed up. You end up with the showdown. Uh, there's Faster Brown. And, well, they, uh, they they hire you know Chad McQueen pretend he goes undercover and he like joins the dojo, and they're like, oh okay, he's going to be one of our oh, right guys. But they know that he's a cop all along. Uh, and they go to the airport and he's like going to pay all his henchmen, and then he just instead he just blows them, them all away. <laughs> Thought that was kind of funny. He's like, what, yeah, what? that was that was ridiculous. I guess because he was going to leave. He was going to get on a plane and leave right away. Yeah, he's going to he, leave no loose ends. Yeah, but he's like, I have a maxim I live by, which is never, uh, never, <laughs> or just always get rid of the middleman. <laughs> so he just <laughs> kills like 30 guys or whatever. Yeah, I, but, I mean, but I noted that Philip Tan, you know, was still with him on, on that. He even killed the big guy, Tony Longo, that huge, uh, that huge brute that works for yeah, the dojo. That guy was awesome, too. Yeah, I mean, you do get Philip Tan versus Cynthia Rothrock fighting in that hangar mechanic shop. Yeah, and that's, I think, some of the better action as well, that fight. Um, I just, the problem is, like, Chad McQueen is squarely placed as the lead in the movie, and yeah. his fights aren't aren't very good because, you know, I mean, they're fine for, the, for what this is, but, like, it's clear when you watch him and then you cut to watching Cynthia Rothrock kicking the shit out of a guy like it's obvious which one of them is a martial artist and i thought that was funny too was like the storyline of the movie was that sean thompson went to hong kong and competed in these you know martial arts competitions and he won trophies and stuff and he's you know he's telling that in the movie and he's telling her and he's like oh all i got to show for it is some trophies 
And I'm like, right. they, they just they just like swapped them because that's actually Cynthia Rothrock's real story. She's a martial arts champion. She's the one who yeah. went to Hong Kong and made fucking movies and stuff. And they just yeah, like stole she, her storyline and gave it to him. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, she had like five years undefeated at all like levels, all like whether it be weapons or, you know, whatever. Undefeated five years. Because there was no women's or men's league. It was just that. Yeah, yeah. It was And I mean, she's she's league, got so. a black belt in like five or six different types of martial arts. So, she, so she's the real deal. She's the real fucking deal. Yeah, pretty much that ends there at the hangar. Yeah, how does it, how do they finish off uh, David Carradine in that scene? I think with the uh, you know punch to the heart. Right? Oh yeah, that's right. He's gonna he's gonna let him live because he's on the ground and he's got he's got David Carradine down, Dalton, and he's just like punching him in the face over and over and over, like she's wrapping up her fight, and you can hear him still punching him off screen. <laughs> and I kind of started laughing at that part because it was like, wow, he's just like going to town i was expecting them to like pan back and his face would just be like a pile of mush or something but she has to like come and like pull him off uh and then dalton uh you know of course comes up for one last try to kill you moment and he then he gives him the dim mock yeah and then um, the movie the movie end well the movie's about to end and then it's smash cut martial law two undercover <laughs> would have been great but it just well, starts you, immediately. Well, we should probably like move on after that and get into Martial Law 2, which has a lot in common with the first one. But we should roll the trailer. Crime Lord is in control of a city. Haven't I always treated you right, Captain? A new elite police force. Most powerful aspect of martial arts, mind. Concentration against the opponent's movement is how you'll take them down quickly. When cops are paid off and murdered, you have to find out what happened. The martial law team goes undercover. I was following Alina Borelli's death. Case closed. No case. I, um, sort of blew my cover. Listen, why don't you check it out and see what you can dig up? You need any bartenders? I'm one of Spencer's collectors. I make sure Spencer gets what he wants, when he wants it, how he wants it. There's been a cop at the club asking questions. It's too much, Spencer. I won't cross the line. I'm out. You're out when I say you're out. I want the cop eliminated. Martial Law Undercover. All right, so Martial Law 2. Undercover. Undercover. Let's get into it. I'll read the synopsis. This all, obviously this all, also stars uh, Cynthia Rothrock, uh, but now she's partnered up with Jeff Wincott playing Detective uh, Sean Thompson. Yeah, he's the same character. It's just a different actor. It's one year later after the first movie. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say this. Didn't pick up on that. <laughs> I thought she just moved on to a new partner. Well, as partner. soon as the second movie started, um, they call. I think they refer to him as Martial Law in one of the first scenes in this movie. I did. Uh, I thought they, that he just so was, I was a like, new Martial Law. To, I thought, is he supposed to be the same guy? So I looked it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's the same character. All right. So uh, Martial Law 2 Undercover came out a year later. It's a, a martial arts expert cop teams up with another to take down a criminal organization after one of his fellow detectives suspiciously dies in a car accident. A lot of similarities. 
uh, cops mm-hmm. teaming up. Cops teaming up, getting martial together, arts. doing I mean, martial the, arts. The storyline is different. We don't have all the brother drama uh, stuff. No. I'd say there's this is a this movie has a much larger plot. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of characters, a lot of people. More interesting. More there's interesting. M- better fight scenes, I thought overall. Yeah, yeah, longer, better part- longer and better fight scenes. And there's just more characters that are going through things, and there's like. I'm not going to say this character development, but there's just more <laughs> stuff going on for them to investigate and get into. And actually, there's a kind of a plot and like there's sympathetic, you know, everybody's not completely one dimensional like the first movie. Yeah, right. Except I mean, for the bad the... guys are still bad guys. Uh, yeah. The bad guys are pretty one dimensional. I meant more uh, like Tiffany. Spencer Hamilton and. Uh, oh, and Tanner. Tanner is fucking hilarious, man. Yeah, is that the... That's the right-hand man. Yeah, the right-hand Tanner. man with the long hair. Yeah. Oh, man. That guy... That guy is the shit. <laughs> his delivery... His delivery... His delivery lines, is... Like, it's just it's the, well, unbelievable. It's, it's so bad. It's so... <laughs> It's so hilarious, though. It is yeah. funny because there's like she, I think Cynthia Rothrock, she goes undercover as a bar as a bartender at the bar that yeah. he runs. And there's a scene where he comes, she comes in, and he's like, "Oh hey," and then she's like, "Oh, I forgot something in my car. I gotta go get it." And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> well, the, right before that, though, there's the other bartender, and he's like, "Hey." Don't you have something to do? Yeah. He's just he's just trying he's reading from a sheet, basically. Like yeah. there's no emotion. Yeah, well, he's got he's got the look, no doubt. Like you he's got the muscles. Read, sure. You can read from a sheet when you look like that. This guy's a fucking monster. Yeah, he's yeah. he's really tall, really big, really muscular. Uh he gets some extended fight scenes himself. Uh I looked him up, you know, and now he's like an art gallery dealer guy. <laughs> That's oh what he, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean I would buy that in this movie, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, totally. He's totally like a 90s, like, Euro trash type, like, uh, running... Yeah. Mer- I could totally see him running an art gallery and drinking, like, espresso or something, and, and then going in and kicking people's ass in a basement, like, blood sport fight. Yeah, now, the, the main bad guy, what's his name? Spencer Hamilton. Spencer. Okay, so they show him doing some kung fu, like, poorly at one point, but he doesn't actually fight. Yeah. Is he? Well, not till the end of the movie. Like, yeah. we see him in the very the first. We're introduced to him. He's like practicing martial arts for like a news story thing about him. Yeah. And then it's a very like perfunctory scene where then he invites his dad over so they can like talk for a minute on camera. And oh, dad, you totally inspired me in my business and whatever. And it's just like a very like scene like by rote kind of scene like where it's just like okay we just got to get this out of the way and then we'll move on but i was like oh is the dad gonna like come back into the story at some point no we just never see <laughs> never yeah, see, see him i yet. thought his dad is like a way more powerful successful right i kept expecting that to show up and be like oh he's even actually above spencer in the crime stuff or whatever but we just never see him again but no um baby hamilton spencer hamilton He's he's running his own thing. Yeah, and he's got the he's got the criminal look. Like he looks like a good bad guy. Total. Oh, he's totally got the look down. Yeah, for sure. So his whole gimmick is information. That's what his whole thing is, right? Yeah, but he also is. He wants that money. He's trying to get ten million dollars so that he can buy that other guy's business, that other criminal's business. Is that what's happening? Yeah he he has a week to get ten million dollars to buy. Um, a fight promotion, what is it? a, per, a promotion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, this, so this doesn't make any sense. I like 
I know that should doesn't matter to even say that. But so he his guy fights two of the other guy's men, the promoter's men. And yeah, he Tanner wins. takes takes on two guys at once, yeah. and if he can beat them, then Spencer can buy the fight promotion for ten million dollars instead of what the promoter says. He says it's worth, worth twice that. It's worth <laughs> twice that much. So he puts up the the one guy puts up. Um, I should know their names here. Uh, so what was Jones, the trade-off if if he lo- if Tanner so loses? If, if that Tanner guy gets, loses, gets his nightclub. He gets his nightclub, which we're led to believe based on this is worth twenty million dollars. Right, right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess I ten mean, million. It's worth ten million. Okay, so the girl that's on the arm of the promoter is one of Spencer's girls, and his whole thing with his club is to get information on these the clientele. Because that's how he's gonna like wield his power and wield. Right, he's gonna be able to use stuff against and people. And so he finds out that this guy likes to gamble, right? Yeah. So that's when they go into the back room and there's right, some like right. blood sport. It makes thing him uh, going makes on. him an offer he can't refuse, kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Hey, two of your guys versus my one guy, and ov- mm. obviously this. I mean, no brainer. I get a club out of this, sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, and of course and then, we also learned that that. You know, one of his uh, Spencer's girls, she has like a whole storyline in the movie where. Yeah, Tiffany? She's like sick of working for him and, you know, being prostituted out to all his clients and all that stuff. And then we find out also, you know, like we're introduced to the the police captain in this movie is Billy Drago, who he's a bad guy in like virtually every movie he's ever been in. So as soon as you see him, you're like, well, he's dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Um, Which, of course, turns out to be true. But um, still, this plan, he he's going to buy it, but he doesn't even have the money. Doesn't have the money yet. He's got to get it. But why well, would you not just get, get the money first? In any hey, other movie, in other, any other movie, he would have been like the whole plot of this film would have been him giving him the money and then him having the fight promotion business right. and then something happening there. And then there would have been like a fight, a showdown between Thompson and Tanner in like a ring with like people all you know what i mean but how are you gonna involve the police captain like there's this whole like intertwined storyline because the police captain could have tried to poison thompson before (laughs) he went in right like like spiked his water or something i mean like i'm that's just off the top of my head that's still better than this movie (laughs) i mean i think they tried to go this is a complex story with lights working on multiple levels. A lot of and, moving parts. You know, I mean, I think, I think it's parts. a little too complicated. Oh, like the for first sure. movie you could easily argue is way too simplistic. So I think it was a good idea to, to try to make this a little more involved, but I think it, it gets to that point too. Like Cynthia Rothrock definitely has more of a role in this one. She's not in, in the shadow as much of Jeff Wincott in this movie, but at the same time, there's so many characters and so many moving parts that she's still, doesn't get a ton of time to do no a lot of stuff. I mean, she does get longer fight sequences and stuff, which is cool. I do like the uh, uh, two fights stick out to me. One where it looks like she's walking in a parkade to her car yeah. and gets like jumped by three guys and she beats the shit out of them. Yeah. That's a fantastic fight scene. And then the other one is where she beats up three guys in a parking lot protecting Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. 
She's, um, she's kind of making friends with Tiffany while she's undercover at the bar and she's yeah protecting her from these scumbags. Funny story about that scene is those three guys in that scene aren't stunt guys. I guess the stunt guys weren't around or something for that scene. So two of them are cameramen and the other guy is like a lawyer or something. <laughs> and the one guy actually gets the baseball bat in the balls oh. <laughs> and he wasn't wearing a cup oh shit they couldn't even and put he a ended cup up on him in, no they didn't put a cup on him and so he ended up in the hospital oh fuck what happened, yeah. what happened to you I got my balls crushed by a baseball bat by Cynthia yeah, Rothrock by, by Cynthia Rothrock I mean I mean she can, she can crush my nuts anytime <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying I want it to happen but I'm saying if it's gonna happen <laughs> if it has to happen that's, if it, that's yeah. the way to go. So it's got to go. Uh, I think uh, she gets extended fight time in this movie, and she gets to show off a bit more than she does in yeah, the first movie. For sure. Oh yeah. Like yeah. And I mean, is- and to Jeff Wincott's credit, he's much better at the fight scenes. He yeah. looks cooler. He looks like more of a badass than than uh, McQueen does in the first movie. Like he's got the duster and the slicked back hair and shit. Oh man, the first thing I saw or noticed in this movie, it's like, oh, trench coats, they're a thing in this movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Because that's all he wears is he wears blue jeans and a trench coat with his slicked back hair. Yeah. It's like, this is so early 90s. Absolutely. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, even get some Lorenzo Lamas vibes or something. <laughs> Uh, We have that opening scene, too, where he's, again, it's a kind of similar sequence to the opening scene of the first movie where McQueen went in as the pizza guy. In this one, Jeff Wincott stumbles into that van where they're doing some kind of gun deal or whatever. He's like a wino. Yeah, yeah, pretend to be a, a drunk or high or something. And then, yeah, you get some bikers in this movie. So that's another funny scene because so you've got these guys doing this this. Uh, gun deal in the back of this van like in a public park right but there's nobody guarding the back of the van there's just a whole bunch of like big burly biker guys they're standing, standing like 20 feet away yeah. yeah and then when the guy like opens up the van they all just kind of stand there yeah, and are like in the background uh, just standing there like let's just see how this plays out <laughs> they're like this is gonna be this is gonna be funny Interesting thing about the the bikers is the one guy was wearing uh, a jacket with the patch of the same motorcycle gang from Stone Cold. Fuck yeah. It's the same gang. It's the same universe. It's it's the same universe. Oh. So the crossover right there. Oh man, we should man. Do a, they should make a new movie now with <laughs> Brian Bosworth and Cynthia Rothrock together. Cynthia Rothrock still making I would movies. Watch that. She's still making She's movies. She's still making stuff. Bos- Bosworth, it. I'm guessing, is... No, he's still working. He's still making films? Yeah, he uh, he was doing some commercials, but he's he's still working. The fucking Bos? What are you, his you better, agent? You better, you better believe he is. No, no, I looked him up. <laughs> There's a guy we should do an interview with. Oh, totally. Hey, I put feelers out there. Let's see. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I want to watch Stone Cold again. There is some, like... I think the f- the the action, like when you get to the finale of this movie, is actually pretty decent. Uh, pretty good extended sequence there. The only disappointment there was is that you know we've seen this um, evil uh, henchwoman that works for Spencer throughout the movie, and she's you know we see her do some martial arts, and so I thought there was going to be like a big showdown between her and Cynthia Rothrock, but it was it was very like Cynthia Rothrock easily kicked her ass within like a couple minutes. 
Oh yeah, and then she was just like waiting around. Yeah, cause, right. Yeah, because then Wincott is like engaged with Spencer. He's like up at the top. They're fighting on those railings and shit. And oh, uh, also, sorry, well, I didn't mention it in the first uh, martial law. How easily Michael, the younger brother, was just instantly killed off like no big deal. Right. We forgot to talk about that. He got the, he got the dim mock. He died. And then they came. Like just, they came to. Uh, their mother's house on her birthday to, get, to deliver the bad news that he was dead. That was yeah. that kind of cracked me up actually. <laughs> I mean, it cracked. It kind of was like it actually shocked me in a way that it was like, what? They just killed him like that? Like I, I thought that's it, would, it? I thought it would have been funny if the cop who came to deliver the news was like, "We're sorry, Michael is dead." Also, ma'am, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, ma'am. I have terrible news. Your son is dead. Condolences, but also happy birthday. He's been dim mocked. <laughs> he's been, he's been <laughs> mocked. There's been a there's been a rash of dim mockings across town, and unfortunately, your son got caught in the crossfire. And then just like spin, we'll have one of those with newspapers spin up to the front of this camera yeah, and be like, killings continue. Mysterious dim mock killer. This this final sequence kicks off though with Wincott blowing that guy's head off with the shotgun. I was like, yeah. "Oh, hey, what the hell? Finally yeah. some real <laughs> some real violence in these." I movies. actually like all the shotgun stuff that happens in that like 30 second span where he just goes to town and they yeah, have a, yeah. those good vi- it's actually a pretty good visual effect there when he blows his fucking head yeah, off. For sure they did a good job. I figured that. they spent all their money on that one guy. <laughs> yeah, the one one stunt shot. They didn't spend their money on a dolly because everything is just like <laughs> pretty much stationary. Yeah, I mean you get cuts to different angles, but yeah, I don't know. I I, I think that the I goes going back to this movie being kind of overcrowded. There's so many henchmen in this movie compared to the first one that like yeah. there's parts where Jeff Wincott is fighting a guy, and I'm like. Do we, are we supposed to know which guy this is? Like, he's just another fucking guy doing And he also knows martial arts. Like, they all know fucking martial arts. Yeah, because I think in this one, there's, there's like, the 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 right-hand man, and then there's, like, three lower. There, one of them is the woman, and then there's two other guys. I think it's supposed to be that. So there's, like, five of them, I guess, all together? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I was confused a bit by, like... I mean, yeah, it can be just another henchman, but then it's like it, the way that they shot some of those fights, it would made it made it seem like, oh, this guy's supposed to be somebody somewhat important in the scheme of things. Wincott's having some difficulty with him and stuff, but um, I don't know. There was just there was there was a few too many bad guys in this one, right? And and not enough distinction between some of them. Like like Tanner stands out, the woman stands out, but like then all the others are just. You know, faceless hordes. Yeah, and so at some point you get the uh, the setup that happens with the captain, where uh, it looks like he shot Tiffany. Oh, I forgot all about that shit. Yeah, and because this is his plan, right? There's some drug deal or something that collected ten million dollars. Yeah, this is how he's going to get his money. It's it's really convoluted. Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. I don't understand it. All I know is that they're going to get the money, and all of a sudden, this is the big reveal. He admits he's dirty, and uh, he admits he says the chief is in on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That other dirty cop that he's driving with. He's like, I got like, one question for you. How long have you been dirty? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that stuff with the chief is kind of a weird plot line because we had the Tiffany storyline. We find out she's the chief's, like, I don't know, she's his lover or he's, or at least she's his call girl that he sees regularly. Well, no, he's not the chief. That's just another detective. Captain, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's a captain, I think. But, but he, he, so he's dirty, but then there's a scene where Spencer asks him to kill Jeff Wincott and he's like, oh no, that's the line that I'm not going to cross. And so we're kind of, it's kind of a convoluted thing where then when we get to the very end of the movie, they, you know, Cynthia Rothrock, Billy and Sean Thompson, they, they take all the bad guys out and they go to like arrest the chief or the The captain. That's the captain. Yeah. Captain Krantz. They go to arrest Billy Drago. Yeah. And he's just the end of the movie. (laughs) It's just him blowing his brains out and then bam, credits. Fade to black credits. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a weird way to end the movie. Well, that's when the third one starts. Is it? Are you lying to me, James? I don't know. Isn't there a third one? There's there got to be a there's third There's a one. third movie. It's called Mission of Justice. It doesn't even have martial law in the title. Uh, and it also stars Jeff Wincott, but no Cynthia Rothrock in that one. Not worth watching, then. But it does have Matthias Hughes, our buddy from uh, Dark Angel. And so. Bridget Nielsen. Oh, nice. Yeah, Bridget Nielsen, so... Yeah, I don't know why this is the third movie or what the plot of this one is, but... Oh, and get this. Jeff Wincott plays a character called Cut Harris in the third movie. So he's not even the same character in the third movie that he was in the second movie, who was played by somebody else in the first movie. (laughs) I'm very confused. This this movie could come out tomorrow, though. Kurt Harris, a bitter former policeman, infiltrates a neo-fascist group after his friend is killed by their leader. While there, he discovers that the leader wants to run for mayor and will do anything to achieve her goal. Yeah, so this is like, this takes place this last year. You know what? That totally reminds me of, you know, at the beginning when I was talking about Top Dog? (laughs) How could I forget? With Chuck Chuck Norris? (laughs) You know what the plot of that movie is? Absolutely not. (laughs) It deals with neo-Nazis. Yeah. Because America never changes. Like, what? This is a kids movie? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Uh, it's crazy. I I think I'm honestly surprised. Like I don't know even know how that movie got made. Um I think it's funny like why is there th- why is the third movie why is it considered a third movie in the series because A it's not called Martial Law 3 Mission of Justice and B uh, Steve Wincott doesn't even play the same fucking character in it. So what is the connection to the other movies? But I only see that it's called Mission for like I only see there's a connection because I look up Martial Law 3. Like I don't know how it's connected. Yeah. I thought there was Martial Outlaw or is that a different movie altogether? I think Anyways. that might be something else. Then I don't know. then you got Murphy's Law. Oh, we got a whole fucking bundle of maybe, oh. maybe it's just Martial Law 1 and 2 is Murphy, those are the only ones with Cynthia Rothrock. Is Murphy Brown tied up into this universe somehow? <laughs> Cinematic universe. Um, yeah, so anyway, this movie, I thought the second movie was better for my money. Like, if you were a fucking kid or a teenager and you went and you rented this, you'd be totally satisfied, I think, with the amount of action. There was way more fighting in this one. The fight scenes were longer and better shot, I thought, in this one. I mean, I'm not saying that it's, like, world-class stuff, uh, the highest standard of action that we've seen by any means, but I think definitely an improvement over the first movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably show it to my kids soon. <laughs> Right on. 
Not that second one though. That second one's got some some boobies in it. Can, and, can't, some, and some and some suicide. Some sudden suicide. Yeah, I can't can't let my kid watch nudity. They can only watch gratuitous, <laughs> never ending violence. I thought it was. I mean, that was the funniest fucking way to end this movie. Like we don't see anything more between Billy and Sean. It's just like, all right, let's go arrest him, and then he just shoots himself. <laughs> yeah, like I, when I was watching it, like the last thing I expected was for the fucking Mash theme song to start playing. Like, <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's like all of a sudden it turns into like an art house film. Yeah, there's like very different tone all of a sudden. I mean, and and that's that goes back to like the complications between all the different storylines that are going on in this installment of the series. Like, there's just well. A lot happening, and is it just of a time where it's, you know, I'm guessing they shot this in like 18 days or some crap like sure, that. Sure, yeah. Um, well, just pump pumping them out, you know, as fast as they can. Well, these three movies, like if if you count the the last one, Martial Law Three, uh, Mission of Justice, this is 90, 91, 92. Like they 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 bang these things out pretty quick. I think they. I think it was from the final scene like final filming of martial law one they were already filming martial law two six months less than six months later yeah and i mean this again goes to the conversation about the you know the video store market and just like how yeah you could just make these things on the cheap relatively cheap and uh just pump them out and fill the shelves people are going to rent them so that brings up an interesting thing though that we never think about, like talking about the video store market, and we have an interview coming up with somebody that kind of goes into this more about why movies are, why certain things are in certain movies and in the markets, especially in the like eighties and nineties. But did you listen to the um, the how did this get made episode about the about the cat? It was a movie about a a, a talking cat, Dustin. Oh, I haven't listened to that one yet. No. So. They talk about the movie. I forget what the budget is for the film. This is a movie that they talk about how how could this movie made any money? And they're like, oh, no, it's made like multiple times its budget. And they're like, oh, it, they probably just sold it to like um, a company that just collects titles. And then that that library gets licensed to like Amazon. Right. And like, there's there's all these different ways that these films make money. Which is crazy. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, it's 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 quite a bit different now. The landscape, obviously, it's all like about streaming and stuff, but on VOD. But um, yeah, it, it, it's funny to hear about all these different routes and the different ways that people can get the product out there, find some sort of distribution, and make money off of the thing, right? Even if it's like something where it's like, I didn't even know this existed, like the cat, the talking cat thing, like. What the fuck is this? Yeah. And then it has a million dollar, a couple million dollar budget. And then it's made its budget multiple times over. Like how? <laughs> is that like a newer, that's like a newer movie? Yeah. I think it's a 2000s something, isn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they have all these different markets and yeah, buyers and I don't know. Like I was just editing the interview that's going to come out for uh, John Stewart from Action USA and he talked about how these buyers, like you would go to like a conference where there would be different buyers mm -hmm. for different markets and you shop around the movie that you have to find buyers. And if they request certain stuff, 
then you try to put it in the movie. Right. If they're going to back you, yeah, uh, they're going to buy it from you, then they want it's like whatever a whole scene. other yeah, it's a whole other world of like how they shape movies and what goes in and what isn't in. Yeah, it's not all just like, oh, we're making Martial Law 3 and uh, we're going to make this movie the way we want. <laughs> Like it's like yeah, because oh. you know we're making it for the art and the craft, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's here's such the formula. And such such, and such the, uh, yeah, yeah. So. Here's the formula we need to you know sell to the most people or the top paying market, right? Or we're gonna get distribution in I don't know, say Thailand, and this is the kind of movie they like there, like with this sort of fighting or what whatever it is, like right. So I guess this is how like guys like Steven Seagal still pump out these shit movies. <laughs> There's a buyer somewhere well, that clear, wants. Clearly, they're yeah. He just keeps making them. And I mean, Van Damme and these guys—they've all had careers that have continued long after their theatrical release movies uh, stopped coming yeah. out, right? So yeah, totally. All well, right, well, should, should we get should to we rate the these ratings? Movies? Yeah, let's get to the ratings. Um, yeah, these are um, you know I think. They're hard to watch now for the first time and put them in the context of what they were. Like, if you were 12 years old and you fucking rented this from the video store, it probably would have done it for you. Uh, you yeah, know, oh, yeah. It's very different from what we watch now. But I thought Cynthia Rothrock was absolutely the highlight of the movies. Oh, for sure. I just, I think, like we said, we just wish there was more of her in the movie. Yeah, she definitely got to shine more in the second one, but still, even then, there was, like, so much going on that it, it just needed more of her, and she needed to be more of the main character, I think, instead of yeah. the help, yeah. the backup. So, uh, for Martial Law 1, my reaction is a 4, overall 4.4. 4. Uh, I gave the movie uh, a 4 for reaction and overall a 4.2. And I'm the same as James. I had a 4 reaction and a 4.4 4 score. And I think, like... You know, all our scores are low, even with, you know, the second one that we'll give our ratings in a minute here. It's just like we had, I don't know, Dustin, you rented it a couple times, but we had no real attachment to it. I was pretty sure I saw the first one as a kid, but I honestly didn't remember it very well. And I know I had seen some Rothrock stuff, but like it wasn't one of those things where it was something I rented over and over again or anything like that. All right. So this one has an overall score of 4.3. Well, let's just figure out. Let's do the next one first, and then we can just say where both of them end up, because it might change. Okay, sh- sure. I'll go first for the last movie. Um, so for Martial Law 2, I'm going to give this a 5. I like it a bit more, and then my overall is going to be a 5 as well. Yeah, mine's the same, 5-5. Five, five. And the same, straight across, we all got 5s. So we liked Martial Law 2 a little bit more and gave it a 5 overall. I mean, I yeah. think if you were going to watch one of them, I would definitely say watch the second one because it's not like you need to see the first one to know what's going on. No. Or anything. Yeah, you definitely don't need to see the first one. So when one. anybody ever says sequels are never as good as the originals, you can say, no, no, no. There's The Godfather <laughs> 2 and Martial Law 2. Godfather 2, Terminator 2, Martial Law 2. Baby's Day Out 2 and Scream 3. All right. So Martial Law 1 at a 4.3, we have a four-way tie at uh, 121 is Stone Cold, Triple Threat, and Half Past Dead. 
I mean, honestly, I'd probably put it after all of those. Half Past Dead is a really bad movie, but it's really funny to me. It's got a lot of stupid shit in it that makes me laugh. Um, Stone Cold, I think, is a movie that we probably did dirty and needs to be higher on the list than it is. Yeah, I agree. It probably needs to be. Uh, what was the other one you said? Triple Threat. Oh, Triple Threat. And Triple Threat was in the, is is kind of in a lot of ways the modern day version of of the of a thing like martial law, like a straight to video video on demand. Uh, kind of action movie um but i think it was probably made better overall i'm actually gonna say it should go after stone cold before triple threat wow i would rather yeah. watch half past dead again <laughs> would you the movie's so fucking crazy it is crazy it's so I mean, fucking funny <laughs> Yeah. If if martial law had kept up that goofiness at the beginning, yeah, yeah, from the first, which movie, I that thought they first like ten minutes or so, yeah, I thought they just were. It was so funny, and I was like, whole, like I wrote down in my notes, I'm like, holy shit, like this is what I'm in for, like this is what I'm down for, and yeah, then they, they just kind of abandoned that right stuff, away, yeah, um, right, I, and I get that, like I, hey, I think half past that is hilarious too, but. I don't know. I just think martial law being action and kind of what it was doing with straight to D straight to VHS, um, that realm of the early nineties. I, I get it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm fine. I'm, I, I, I'm fine with James's pick. Well, you guys both said after half past dead, right? So I guess that means it's in front of half past dead and behind triple threat. Okay. So it's a new one twenty three then. All right, so Martial Law 2 is five, which is another four-way tie. (laughs) At uh, 107, we got Out for Justice, The Expendables, and Death Wish. Now, I know where this is going to end up. Oh, okay. Um, Well, for me, after Out for Justice and before everything else. Yeah, so that's what I that's what I think too. Yeah, I mean, Out for Justice is one of the most memorable Seagal movies. I think, and as much shit as we give him on the show, that's probably, in my opinion, his best. It's funny that uh, both Martial Law One and Two were tied with the Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> yeah, it's in the it's in the bottom one hundred movies on the list. Like there's a fifty fifty chance. <laughs> there's a lot of Seagal, There's a lot of Seagal's <laughs> down in that section of the list. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, it's it's better. I mean, it's got it's got much better action than uh, what did we? Sorry, what was I after it? Expendables. Oh yeah, Expendables. I mean, that movie's got so much. Oh man, I mean, there is some good action in Expendables, but there's also like a lot of shit, right? Yeah, sorry, Nick. Expendables is just not good. <laughs> Maybe Expendables Two is going to be better though. We're going to find out soon. Yeah, we'll find that out. <laughs> just what John wants to watch. All right, then. Well, we got new placements for those. Yeah, so. All right, so last thing we have to clear up is what we're going to watch next. James, this is a double pick in a row for you. Is it? I mean. No, I mean, this was a, this is a promotional thing where we're giving away the movie, so this okay. wasn't James' pick. This is so James just buys DVD. He buys Blu-rays so he can have <laughs> extra picks. I guess that's what son I have of, to do, son right? Son of a bitch. Little payola. That's a that's a go around or a reach around. I don't know. know All right, James, what's your next pick? So we are going to watch Forty Eight Hours. I haven't seen it in a while, so I think I've only seen it once. Classic, classic movie. So not the first Eddie Murphy buddy cop movie I think of. I think of Beverly Hills Cop, but 
you know, this movie, 48 Hours, recently came up when I went on the watch list for podcasting after dark. So figured it's about time. For sure. Nice. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for listening to us. Uh, please check out our Instagram, uh, Action Action Podcast, and our Letterbox Action Action Podcast. And please check out all the other great shows on the BFOP network. And we'll see you next week.